Did you know that the 4th of July is on a Thursday this year? That's going to be a full weekend of fun out on the deck, four days. But if your deck isn't what it used to be and you aren't using it for great family gatherings, you need to call my friends at All Weather Decks. All Weather Decks is a 24-time winner of the Angie Super Service Award. And they probably help one of your neighbors. Click on the map link at allweatherdecks.net. Call All Weather Decks today at 913-206-1974 or go to allweatherdecks.net and mention you heard it on 810. Call now and relax. Garrettson and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM and 94.5 FM. It is Thursday and it's another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. Shout out to our presenting sponsors, starting with Garrettson and Toth. They handle the most complex felony, federal, or state criminal defense cases. You'll find them in doing that successfully, helping criminal defendants all over the Kansas City area and Northeast Kansas for years. Also, be sure to visit Kim Howard and Associates Agency at 150 Metcalf in Overland Park, or give Kim and her team a call at 913-649-2002. That's 913-649-2002 for a quote on your home and auto insurance today. If you call that number and mention that you heard their ad here on The Shift on ESPN Kansas City, they will give you a free $10 gift card to Starbucks to use on whatever you want. That could be coffee, tea, breakfast items. It's your $10. All you got to do is call that number at 913-649-2002 and mention that you heard their ad here on The Shift. It's always the perfect time in postseason play. The NFL can be MLB. It can be the NCAA tournament. It can be in the college football playoffs, NHL, any sport, really, World Cup. Uh, You always want to find a little bit of trash talk to go over, some bulletin board material to talk about when you're working in sports radio, but also when you're playing the sport, you want to have that bulletin board material. We've used this story probably four or five times throughout the shift's entirety. But Michael Jordan uh, making something out of nothing. Right, if you watch the Last Dance documentary, Michael Jordan used to use tiny, tiny things his opponents, uh, opposing coaches, fans would do, and use it to be pissed off, and then go out there and score 50 or 60 points. I remember one specific story with Michael Jordan and George Carl. Right, Michael Jordan, uh, one year, went to a steakhouse, I want to say it was, when George Carl was with Utah, I think it was, and Michael Jordan saw George Carl walk into the steakhouse, and George Carl just didn't know Michael Jordan was there. He was maybe sitting far away at the restaurant, just didn't see eye to eye. Didn't catch him in, in passing, nothing like that. But Michael Jordan took it as George Carl's blowing him off. You know, he doesn't want to talk to him, he doesn't want to see him because they're playing the Chicago Bulls in the postseason, in the finals, I believe. And even though George Carl likely didn't even know that Michael Jordan was at the steakhouse, Just wanted to walk in and have dinner with whoever he was with. Michael Jordan decided that's going to be my reason to get pissed off. You know, that's going to be my reason to hang 50 or 60 on the Jazz. Well, going into this game, the AFC Divisional round, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Jacksonville Jaguars, you would have thought that if there was any team to give bulletin board material, it would be the Kansas City Chiefs, right? It would be the Chiefs being cocky, having the one seed. They've got confident players. they got Chris Jones. They have Frank Clark. 
They have Travis Kelsey. They have Justin Reed, who was not shy to talking trash. Now they've got a lot of guys on that team that will run their mouth at times. Well, you're fourteen and three. You kind of have earned that right. You've won a Super Bowl. You've earned that right. Only the Chiefs have been oddly quiet this week. All business, and I think that every Chiefs fan can appreciate that. This is a team that knows that this is the game they got to get by. Divisional round game against a inferior opponent record-wise in the Jacksonville Jaguars. You don't want to look ahead, but the Chiefs have bigger aspirations than just winning one game in the postseason. So they're staying quiet, they're being humble, and they're not uh, running their mouth at the Jaguars, not running their mouth at Trevor Lawrence or Travis Etienne or Christian Kirk or Zay Jones, none of those guys. You know, Josh Allen, they're staying pretty quiet. Yesterday, though, Trevor Lawrence had one of his weekly press conferences. It's like we'll hear from Patrick Mahomes later on in the show today. But he's talking to media, and he was asked about the environment of Arrowhead Stadium. And we'll break down exactly what he said, but let's set this up before we play you the audio of Trevor Lawrence speaking of Arrowhead Stadium. Point A. He's not saying that Arrowhead Stadium is quiet. He just doesn't believe it's going to be as loud as maybe people lead on. That's mistake number one by Trevor Lawrence. Number two, it is your first road playoff game. It's a little bit different than when you're playing at home, when you have fans rooting for you and being relatively quiet when you're on offense. And number three, I think you don't need to jump all over Trevor Lawrence and think that he's never played in a big game. He's played in many big games, college football playoffs with Clemson. He's played in the postseason. He's played with the division on the line. He's played in big games. He's not going to be rattled like a JV quarterback on Saturday at Arrowhead Stadium. But I'm not sure he has fully grasped what Arrowhead Stadium can sound like in the postseason, and especially when people aren't bundled up and have masks on and you can't make as much noise as when it's 35, 40 degrees. But without further ado, as I ramble on and on here, let's just hear what Trevor Lawrence had to say about Arrowhead Stadium yesterday. Obviously, the environment and the atmosphere we're going to play in is one of, if not the best in the NFL. I mean, I can't imagine it'll be much louder than our fans were here on Saturday, honestly, but that was when we were on defense, not offense. So we played there earlier in the year, but this is a little bit different. You know, it's a playoff game, divisional round, um, so the stakes are higher, so I expect them to be even crazier, more packed stadium, but... Um, I mean, at the end of the day, you just gotta you gotta go play, and you gotta make sure you communicate. That's the one thing we gotta get in and out of the huddle. We gotta get the line of scrimmage so we have time to communicate because everything naturally takes a little longer when it's loud. The problem for Trevor Lawrence is that really isn't that bad of a comment at all. First off, he addresses that it's one of, if not the best environments in the NFL. So he's praising Arrowhead Stadium, but a few words. That can be taken out of context, be thrown on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, you know, on TV. They can take that and run with it. And I think if you've ever attended a game at Arrowhead Stadium, you understand the fans in attendance. You understand that people have been tailgating since 5 a.m. Hell, maybe they went out the night before and just continued to roll it into the next day. They don't need much reason to get pissed off. You know, going into this game, Arrowhead Stadium was already going to be a chaotic rock concert. Just a hostile environment. It always is. But it's just a notch up in the postseason because you know it's do or die. The brilliance of what I believe the Arrowhead social media team will do, 
the people working the Jumbotron, the electronics group, whatever you want to say with the the video group, they're going to be able to take this and run with it and turn Arrowhead Stadium before Trevor Lawrence even takes a snap into a madhouse. When you got 76,000 drunk, angry fans there, the last thing that the opposing team wants to do is give them a reason to be even more angry. Think about it here for a sec, logically. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the Kansas City Chiefs have virtually no relationship, good nor bad. They're just there. They're just opposing teams that are playing. There has never been a big game in the past that you can remember, maybe one that you went to as your first NFL game or something like that, but you tell me the last time that the Chiefs played the Jaguars and it meant something. Marco, you pointed to me, so clearly you have a game in mind. So it was the game after Lamar Hunt had passed away. It was the regular season finale in 07-08, the year the Chiefs went to Indianapolis and got killed by Peyton Manning in the wild card. But it was the final regular season game. They were playing at home against Jacksonville. They needed a win plus three other teams' losses in order to clinch a berth. So... That, I guess, is the last meaningful game. But Jaguars weren't playing for anything. That still is more meaningful than I ever thought it would be. I'll be honest. I don't have great memory of that game. I, I have I was, I was there, so that helps. There you go. That, that would help. I think the only three that come to mind, I remember Andy Reid's first game as a coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. They played in Jacksonville and Blaine Gabbert. Uh, the, first year, the first game, the Chiefs, when the year they won the Super Bowl, they won in Jacksonville. Sammy Watkins had like, what was it? 10 catches for 200 and some yards and three touchdowns. It was ridiculous, something like that. And the last one I remember way, way back, and I want to say it was 09, maybe before that, uh, the Chiefs played David Garrard and Maurice Jones during at Arrowhead Stadium. It was cold, it was rainy, and there was a blocked punt, I think. And I have, I have a vague memory of that, but those are the only three Jags games that really come to mind for me. I think there was one in 2010, they were with Todd Haley and Matt Castle, team with Thomas Jones and Jamal Charles, the running back duo. But no, there's what I mean with no relationship, there's no rivalry here. It's not like the Chiefs and the Bills. It's not like the Chiefs and the Bengals. And those are the only two teams left on the AFC side. If the Bengals come to Arrowhead Stadium next week, you don't need any bulletin board material. There will be some, but Chiefs fans are going to be more rabid than I think they've ever been if the Bengals were to play the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium in the AFC Championship game. The Jaguars, it was always going to be a rabid crowd. But Trevor Lawrence giving the slightest bit of ammo to that crowd is going to definitely work against the Jaguars. Now, they're big boys. They're grown men. They can handle noise. And I do believe that when you are on the field and a crowd is loud, decibel-wise, you know, if it's 120 to 130, you can't really distinct that with your own ears. Like, 120 to 130 is just loud. You know, you don't go to a rock concert and you wouldn't go to like a, a Def Leppard concert in the 80s and go, well, uh, that sounds like the decibels would be about 120. Then you go to a Guns N' Roses concert and go, oh, that's probably 130. No, you just go, well, they sound the same. Now, they're probably different in levels, but it's still loud. You know, you go to Allen Fieldhouse, and it's loud before tip-off, and they give you the decibel reader. But if there was no decibel reader, you go, damn, this is really loud. It sounds about... You know, 110 to 115. Then you go to Bramwich Coliseum if you did on Tuesday night and you go, damn, this is really loud. But you can't distinct what's the difference between 110 to 120. I don't know what the decibel reading was in Jacksonville last Saturday. It could have been 110. 
It could have been 120. It could have been 125. But all we know at Arrowhead Stadium is they have the record for the loudest outdoor stadium at 142.2. Let's be realistic here. Arrowhead Stadium is not going to be 142.2 on Saturday. It's just not. That was a perfect storm and a very unique time in the NFL where Seattle and Kansas City were going back and forth with who would be the loudest stadium in the NFL, actively trying. No people screaming at the top of their lungs. Not everybody's going to be doing that on Saturday. It is going to be damn loud. I would put Arrowhead Stadium, you know, teetering between 125 and 130, which, in all honesty, when you think about Jacksonville, it was loud. I think if you watch the game on TV, it was pretty loud. Would it be 130 decibels? Likely not. But let's say it's 110. 110, 115. It was that team's first home playoff game in nearly eight years. So the crowd was juiced up. They were enthused. They were going to be loud. So Trevor Lawrence here is debating about 15 or 20 decibels here. Now, uh, that is a big difference. But also to him, to his own ears, it's not going to be a massive jump. He's not going to be shell-shocked. So that's why I think Trevor Lawrence didn't say anything wrong. It's not like he stepped up to the podium and said, I think Arrowhead Stadium is pretty quiet. You know, they're not, it's not as loud as you think it is. No, he just wanted to, one, give credit to Arrowhead Stadium and then also credit his home fans. You know, think about it. He just said Arrowhead Stadium is one of, if not the best environment in the NFL. Well, Jags fans are going, well, what the hell? We just gave you a great environment last Saturday. And he goes, well, I can't imagine it's going to be much louder than what we had. So praising both stadiums there. So he didn't really say anything bad. He does not discrediting Arrowhead Stadium. But it's the few words of saying, I don't think it'll be much louder than what we had last Saturday. Oh boy, Arrowhead's going to run with that. I think there is an above 60% chance right before the Jags take, take the field, whether they get the first the kickoff or the Chiefs punt it to them or the Chiefs score on the first drive, whenever Trevor Lawrence runs onto the field for the first time. I believe there is a strong, strong, strong chance that somebody's going to have a clip ready. They are going to pop it up there on AeroVision, and they're going to play that 10-second clip. I don't think Arrowhead is going to be much louder than what we had on Saturday, and that place is going to go ballistic. And that's perfect for the Chiefs' defense, That's perfect for the people in attendance because for games like this, you just want to get a reason. You want to have a reason to be fired up. You want to have a reason to dislike the opponent. Uh, Truthfully, I have nothing against Jacksonville. I think they're a very fun team. Love Doug Peterson. Love Travis Etienne. Love Christian Kirk. Love Josh Allen. I just don't like their uniforms that much. I don't like their logo that much. But that's just little things for me. I really like Jacksonville. They are a great story. But now go into the game. You want to just have that extra motivation, that extra juice to go, let's just show him that Arrowhead Stadium is not comparable to any other stadium or dome in the NFL. The Chiefs have played in some loud environments. But also, you hear opposing players, you hear ex-players all say the same thing. What's the toughest environment you had to go play in? Almost all of them say Kansas City. Right, Charles Woodson said it was Arrowhead Stadium. Michael Vick, I believe, said it was Arrowhead Stadium. One of them like Jeff Saturday said it was Arrowhead Stadium, and he played a lot of games there as a member of the Indianapolis Colts because the crowd's right on top of you. But there is that different beast. We said this on the show yesterday. Arrowhead Stadium in the postseason is a different beast because fans know 
that there is no next Sunday if you don't win. There is no next Saturday if you don't win. It is do or die. And when things start to teeter out of control, that place can turn into just a a different a different arena, a different event. I'm trying to think of the right words here. That just doesn't feel like sports. It feels like a gladiator coliseum, you know, with lions and gladiators down there. I mean, that's just what it feels like. It's so rabid. It's so intense. It's so angry. And that's what I don't think Trevor Lawrence is accounted for. You go to a game in Jacksonville, and again, I've never been to a game in Jacksonville, so maybe I can't speak to this. I can't imagine that people from Jacksonville or fans of the Jaguars are very angry people. They, they can't be. They live in the Sunshine State. It's warm. It's Florida. The Jags have been terrible for years and years and years. I mean, they're just not going to be a very angry NFL fan base. When I think of angry fan bases, Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati of now, I would say, like, the Saints can be pretty rabid. I think New England can be pretty rabid. Those are tough places to go. The Philly. Ra- Philly, absolutely. The Cowboys. The Raiders. Angry fan bases. Jacksonville, not so much. Well, not the Raiders anymore. That's, That's true. A, <laughs> that, since that they left true. Oakland. When they left Oakland in the black hole, yes. They're no longer angry, angry, angry because there's a lot of opposing fans in that stadium. But to me, I don't think Trevor Lawrence understands the difference between passionate fans and angry fans. Arrowhead is an angry crowd. I was at the game this year when they played the Raiders and the roughing the passer call was called by Carl Cheffers, Chris Jones on Derek Carr. That place, to me, felt unsafe. Not to me personally, but for officials, that place felt unsafe for the next 45 minutes. Now, what happened? It completely flipped the game. I mean, when you have a crowd that angry, that rabid, that hectic, that hostile, it impacts the game. And that's why going into this game, it's going to be a little bit of a mistake. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to take back what he said because he didn't say anything wrong. But it's just those little words, just like how with Michael Jordan used to take the littlest thing. Somebody patting him on the back saying, good game. Oh, can't say that to me. If we lost, I don't want to hear you talk to me. Therefore, next time out, I'm going to put 50 on you. That's just what he would do. The Chiefs, Arrowhead Stadium, I feel like they do the same thing. Now, the Bengals, they do that very well as too. When the Chiefs were talking smack, they used it. They used it in ammo, motivation, fuel, whatever you want to say, and they beat the Chiefs again. Jacksonville going as an underdog, not saying they need to be humble because Trevor Lawrence wasn't talking any crap. He praised his own fans. He praised Arrowhead Stadium. But it's the few words there that this crowd, this fan base is going to run with, and it's going to be just a chaotic, fun environment on Saturday. Marco, I feel bad for Trevor Lawrence in this aspect because he's going to be razzed and heckled and hazed all afternoon long. Now, if he wins, he doesn't care. That's going to be badass if he said it's not going to be as loud. And then he goes on and beats and eliminates Kansas City. I think it's taken out of context, but it doesn't matter. How beneficial is this for the Chiefs that now it feels like this fan base going into the game is going to have that ammo of being like, we have something to prove. He doesn't think we're louder than Jacksonville Stadium. We got to show him this place will be shaking at kickoff at 3.30. Yeah, it's um, it's certainly bulletin board material for the quote Chiefs, quote-unquote Chiefs kingdom. So if anything... Those moments in the game 
when gosh and I I last last divisional or last the only playoff game I ever been to is when they played Tennessee at home and you know there were moments there where it was rocking but then for a whole second half it was quiet so I'm thinking that's definitely going to be something in the back in the back ahead of Chiefs fans when they're smacking on those chairs and just hollering on every uh, offensive snap for Jacksonville. So very, it's I mean the Chiefs know what kind what type of fan base they they have and backs and what type of environment they play in um, at home in the playoffs. So um, they knew they 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 know they know they know more than Trevor Lawrence obviously um, about. Arrowhead because of having played there um, during this type during this type of the during this time of the year, um, but uh, it just it it's definitely going to add um, add, add a little bit more something. Those fans um, they're going to be shooting down uh, they're going to be taking an extra shot um, Saturday out in the parking lot. Uh, just no, knowing, I mean, you you put a target on your back, Trevor Lawrence. I'm sorry, you you definitely put the Trevor, you definitely put the target on your back. Did you want whether you wanted it or not? It's there. So <laughs> he said he said uh, in his quote, "It wasn't as quiet for it wasn't it was more loud for them when they were on defense, not on offense." So it's definitely going to be a different type of feel often uh, when you're taking those snaps on the offensive side this game this Saturday yeah I mean you think about it that's kind of the difference in this one it doesn't matter if he said that or not if he believed it just quietly thought it to himself I mean come on now you're playing at home you're not having to use the silent count at home you got to use the silent count at Arrowhead Stadium and we have seen great quarterbacks and I mean Hall of Fame quarterbacks become discombobulated trying to run an offense we saw John Elway become discombobulated Peyton Manning from time to time Got discombobulated. He beat the Chiefs a lot, but there were times mix up with the offensive line. When we saw for years, though, we probably saw him for the last time come to Arrowhead Stadium as a member of the Raiders, but Derek Carr really struggled getting his offensive line on the same page. Uh, we saw a lot of young rookie quarterbacks just look completely shell shocked. Trevor Lawrence, I think, is very poised for being such a young quarterback, and he has been very impressive this year. You also just have to factor in it's his first road postseason game. He played the Chiefs earlier this year, so he's played at Arrowhead Stadium. But a midseason regular season matchup, when the Chiefs were running away with the division and the Jags were three and seven, is not the same feel. You know, fans walked in that stadium for a good fun game at noon. It was early, good weather, playing the Jags, easy win, and the Chiefs lost the turnover battle three to nothing, and won by ten points. And it was twenty-seven to ten in the final two minutes of that game. So, you lost turnover battle, didn't play that well, still won pretty comfortably. And that's why I think you go into this game feeling fine, I think. You should all feel fine going into this game. It makes you nervous because it's a postseason game. But the Chargers were here, I'd be sweating a little bit. I'd be sweating, I'd be shaking because it'd be the third time we play the Chargers. Both first two games were close. And yes, the Jags did beat those same Chargers. They're unpredictable. They could have four turnovers in their first five offensive series, or they can look as good as they did in the second half against L.A. It could be a very close game. They could beat the Chiefs for all that matter. But I also think that a team playing with house money, coming off an emotional win, it's not easy to replicate that. That emotional of a game, that is tough to match that intensity again and to match that intensity on the road. I think the Jags will be aggressive. I think they're going to try a lot of things because they still are a big-time underdog in this one. And now there's a little bit more ammo on the Chiefs' side to go out there and just step on their throats. 
Now, it's a Chiefs team that has not stepped on many teams' throats this year. They've just kind of methodically beaten teams, but they are 14-3. and three. They got to buy Andy Reid, Mahomes. The Chiefs have always been great coming off a bye. They're rested up. Likely going to be without McCole Harvin, but the rest of that team is pretty much healthy. We know how good Patrick Mahomes is in the divisional round. And Trevor Lawrence will now play in his first road postseason game before Patrick Mahomes has. Bonkers stat from this Chiefs team in the postseason. They're a different animal. Arrowhead's a different beast. Should be a fun one on Saturday. 3.30 kickoff between the Chiefs and the Jags. We'll take our first break of the show. When we come back, let's hear what Patrick Mahomes had to say ahead of his matchup with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Next on The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN, Kansas City. Back here on The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. Let's not wait too long to get into it. Patrick Mahomes took the podium a few days back to preview this upcoming matchup with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, Patrick Mahomes has been so dominant in the divisional round. He is playing Trevor Lawrence for just the second time in his career, 1-0 against him. We'll see if he can make it 2-0 on Saturday. Here is Patrick Mahomes speaking to the media ahead of that divisional round matchup. Hi, Patrick. How you doing? Good. It's playoff time. You've been through it. Does it get any better? Does it feel the same? Is there just something that you enjoy about the expectations? Yeah, I think you build up for this all season long. Um, and the, the regular season, you take it week by week. Um, but you want to be here in the playoffs, and you know you're going to play uh, the best football teams in the league, and that's what you want to do as a competitor. And so uh, I'm excited to, to get to go up against a great football team at Arrowhead. That's always a good time. Patrick, what do you think Jarek does well for the receiver? Yeah, I mean, he just knows how to be in the right spot. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, he has a good sense of the quarterback timing, uh, when to uh, be in there for protection reasons and when to get out. Um, and then whenever he's hot, he always has his eyes around him and he's ready to catch the ball. And then he makes special plays with the, when he gets the catch. He seems like he can get in the end zone almost every single time. So uh, he just he's a, a vet and a guy that knows what to do whenever he catches the football. The Jaguars really laid the wood to you guys. What, what the one illegal hit on Juju, but then they hit, made some other big hits. Are they a physical defense that does that typically, or was that out of character, or is that the way they're playing? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a fast physical team. They, they fly around, they fly to the football. Um, i got to do better at not leading guys into hits like that. Um, so I'll try to protect my receivers the best I can, but uh, we're, we're going to still be aggressive. We're going to throw the ball down the field uh, when we get the opportunities to. Um, but uh, it's all going to start with up front, our guys blocking their defensive line, which is a, has a lot of great players there. So uh, I'm just going to do whatever I can to have success every play that I get the opportunity to. Patrick, what stands out differently about this team from when you last faced them? 27-17 win, but things have changed because they're starting to win. they got a little momentum. What do you see differently out yeah, I mean, I think the only difference is they might just have uh, a little bit more confidence just because they're winning football games right now. But they, they're a talented team. I knew that the first time we played them. Uh, you could see the talent that they had. Uh, they were flying around to the football. They made a few mistakes here and there, and that's why we kind of got the win the first time. But uh, we understand how good this football team is um, and how much of a challenge it's going to be for us to go out there and try to find a way to get a win. Um, and so we're trying to prepare ourselves the best way possible that, that we can find a way to win it uh, there on Saturday. How close were you with Lawrence? having the four interceptions, but being able to bounce back and have the kind of second half that he did as a young quarterback. Yeah, no, it's tough, man. Uh, the, the, when you throw three interceptions, especially in the first half, if it's if, or four, four interceptions, especially if it's in the first half, 
um, if, if it's your fault or not. Uh, that kind of can see, seep into your mind of how, man, like what decisions am I going to make going forward? Do I protect it or do I stay aggressive? Uh, but he, he battled through, man. That, that's a true test of a competitor, man, that whenever stuff's not going your way, uh, to still pull your team to find a way to win. Um, and he's done it at every level, high school, college, and now in the NFL, he's, he's taken that team and they've turned it around fast. Um, so he's a great competitor, man, and we understand it'd be a great challenge. And if they have a great football team that's playing, that, that's been playing playoff football for it's like a, over a month now. So they, they understand how it, what it takes to win, and we have to go out there um, and do whatever we can to, to do what we can to win. This will be Trevor's second playoff game, obviously. As you think back to 18, you have the Colts and the Patriots. What are the challenges for a quarterback when they're entering their, their first playoff run? Yeah, probably just controlling emotions. I mean, you win a, you win a big game, uh, your first playoff game, uh, you can't be satisfied. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, it's just football. You have to just come back and play the next week and uh, find a way to win the next one. Patrick, given where, given where you are in your career and obviously the experience you do have in the postseason, how much do you sort of carve out time to sort of plan or anticipate things that might be unscouted because it's a rematch, because you're – going to see obviously maybe new things in the postseason how much time do you sort of carve out for something where it may not be on film but you're still trying to anticipate if it might be presented to you I think I've done a better job of that this year just in general just because I've played some so many teams multiple times now um you have to you have to know uh, where the defense coordinators came from. Uh, Caldwell came from Tampa Bay. Uh, where the where in the first game, the game they played us, they played us one way. In the second game they played us, they played us a different way. Um, and they've kind of always had different game plans. And he's a great defense coordinator who does a lot of different stuff. So uh, you have to prepare for what they did against us the first time. Um, but also with that in the back of your mind that they might change it all the way up, and you have to have answers for that as well. And so uh, I think that's uh, what we have to do as a great offense is have answers for everything. And I, I'm sure they'll they'll have a good game plan coming in, and we have to execute that high level to have success. Patrick, you might be getting Clyde Edwards Alaire and Jody Forsman back. Uh, the 21-day window is officially open. As you make this stretch run, what kind of wrinkle does that provide the offense when you you could have these two players available if you go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, anytime you get talented players back, man, it, it, help, it helps uh, the whole team, not just the offense, but everybody. Um, to have that energy in the locker room again, uh, to have it on the, the football field, and both those guys are special type players where they can do different things um, than the guys that we already have in there. So uh, just having as many people back healthy as possible is going to be great for us because so, we'll have different options to, uh, to utilize as we uh, uh, continue to try to build and get better and better and, and win these playoff games. Patrick, what do you feel like you missed with not having um, a call in the lineup? Yeah, I mean, he's just he a special type of speed. Um, a, a special type of speed that uh, is, he does a great job with if it's jet sweeps or stretching the field vertically, and, and he's gotten better and better at, at, at making those tough catches. Uh, so it's um, we've done a great job of replacing that with other guys, but, I mean, having McColl is McColl is a special type of player, and uh, he's done a lot of great things for this offense. Patrick, you talked about controlling emotions for Trevor. It's been about a year since you would have been able to play a playoff game at home. Will you have to control your emotions before this one? What do you think? Yeah, I always do when I play at Arrowhead. I, I always come out of that tunnel. I'm a little hyped up. Uh, so doing a, doing a good job of controlling my emotions, um, focusing on the, what I need to focus on to have success. Um, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big game in a great environment, obviously in Arrowhead, and uh, we're going to play our best football. So I got to be that leader that controls my emotions and goes out there and can be uh, calm, but I still have the energy to lead the team. Patrick Andy had mentioned that you guys had a lot of new cast of characters coming into the season. Now you're entering the postseason where it matters most. What are the conversations like with this new cast of characters that you have? To know that the standard here is to win the Super Bowl with these guys. Yeah, I think all the guys understood that whenever they signed with this team is that we we want to win the Super Bowl, and if we don't, we feel like it's not where we, we should be at. Um, and so uh, I think we did, we built all year. We try to get better and better. 
uh, with the mindset of we want to win the Super Bowl, but we can't do it uh, every single day. We have to continue to just get better and better until we get to that point. And uh, you can't look ahead, man. I mean, we have a great team that we're playing this week that's playing great football. Um, and so how can we get better at practice today uh, so that we're better at by the end of the week? And uh, I think you have to have that mindset. Um, and I think the guys do, and I think we're in a good spot. From a team aspect, what's that mindset transition like from regular season to playoff mode? I think you just have to have a different intensity. and I mean, the speed picks up. Every play matters. Um, you, you, in the regular season, you feel like that, but you might try a little bit more because you, you know that you can make that mistake and maybe come back from it. Um, but in, in the, the playoffs, every every single play matters, mistake or positive, and how can you execute at a high level? And if it, if it doesn't happen your way, you have to bounce back quickly. And uh, that's the, really the only huge difference, and I think our guys have a good understanding of that. Patrick, does your body feel any different having the bye week? Yeah, I mean, you definitely feel, I guess, a little bit more rested. I think it's it's about uh, how can you, how can you, how did you manage that bye week? How did you work out? Like, what did you do to keep your your body ready? Because, like I said, they've been playing playoff football for a month now, and they've had a big comeback and have a lot of momentum on their side. So, how can we match their intensity the moment we step on that field? Yeah, deeper from watching the playoff games, how close they are. Yeah, I mean that's that's the biggest thing with the bye week. I think especially in today's NFL is you you get the you get a win because you don't get to play in that bye week. And if you look, I mean, from the everyone that was in the playoffs, it seemed like it went down to the wire. Even the San Fran game, I mean, at halftime Seattle was up. So um, you get you get you get to rest your body, obviously, but you get a win uh, in a sense. And now you have to see what you can do to to get that intensity back up and be ready to go against teams that have played in the hard fought game already. Lawrence uh, celebrated his first playoff win at Waffle House, which is pretty hardcore. Yeah. Uh, how did you celebrate your first playoff win? I can't remember exactly. I'm sure I was, I was saying to Brad, I'm sure there was a couple Coors Lights that were, were drinking. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't get Waffle House, man. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a baller move, man. Uh, and so uh, maybe uh, if, we, if we win this one, I'll think of somewhere to go that, that can match that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There goes Patrick Mahomes, who spoke to the media earlier this week ahead of the matchup with the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC Divisional Round. We'll take our second break of the show. When we come back, let's preview all these games in the Divisional Round and make our predictions. That's next on The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN, Kansas City. Back here on The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. Some more divisional round talk. It's time for us to make our predictions. We'll go through all four of these games from Saturday and Sunday. We'll leave the Chiefs and Jags for last. So let's start with Philly and the New York Giants. That'll kick off at 7.15 on Fox. The Eagles... A seven and a half point favorite, the over under at 48. The Eagles, the number one seed, got the bye on the NFC side and are 14 and three heading into this game. The Giants upended the Minnesota Vikings in Minneapolis, moved to 10, seven and one on the year. They were the sixth seed, took down the three seeded Vikings in a 31 to 24 defeat. Marco, I want to pick the Eagles in a blowout. I really do. I don't think the Giants play as well this time around. I mean, you got to take into account here. The Vikings' defense was so bad. They were bad all season long. They couldn't stop anybody. So some of the numbers might have been inflated by Daniel Jones, by Saquon Barkley, and they hung 31 on a bad Vikings defense. It's not the same defense they're facing in the Philadelphia Eagles. 
The Philadelphia Eagles have one of the best pass rushes, pass rushes in the NFL. They've got a very strong secondary. They got a buy. It's a night kickoff in Philly. We talk about hostile, rabid crowds. There will be one in Philly on Saturday night. Jalen Hurts maybe not being a hundred percent, or maybe he's close to it, does give me some pause. But Daniel Jones, to me, as good as he's been, is due for also a poor performance. I kind of put him in the same category as Dak Prescott. Just when you think he's on an upward trend, he's due for a clunker. So I am going to take the Eagles to win and cover that spread at 7.5 here. I think they'll win by about 10. It'll be close early on, but there will be some separation around the third quarter. So give me Philly. Minus seven and a half. As for the over/under, I will take the over in this game. I think it will be pretty high scoring. I think postseason games are always meant for high scoring affairs. When we saw Skylar Thompson put up thirty-one points, I mean, I know there was a defensive fumble return for a touchdown. There were some turnovers that set him up a nice field position. But who would have bet the over in that game between Buffalo and Miami? It just feels like every single postseason game is a shootout regardless of who's quarterbacking those teams. So give me the over and give me the Eagles minus 7.5 against the G-Men. Where are you going with this one, Marco? I think I'm going to take it the uh, opposite direction a little bit. Funny enough, the uh, one in, the one-seeded teams on both sides of the conference, kind of, an equal, kind of an equal matchup. The only difference here with the Giants and Jags is that this is a divisional game for Philadelphia. And we just saw a wild card round that featured – um, quite a bit of close divisional games. Um, Daniel Jones, though, playing, did not play a division team in the wild card, did have a really good performance. <sighs> that half, that hook right there, that half point is where I'm at right now because I can see the Eagles winning by just seven in this one. The only time Dan- Daniel Jones only faced the Eagles once this year, um, Early, uh, once this year, the Giants got dumped back in the beginning in December, 48 to 22. He could not really do anything um, offensively. Didn't even touch 200 yards passing against that Eagles secondary. I started this off by saying I was going to go the opposite direction, but now I just talked myself going with the Eagles covering the seven and a half, um, and then taking that over as well because Philly or no New York. I want to say. Didn't see. They saw Jalen Hurts in the last game of the season when he came back off injury. Okay, so Hurts did play in that game against New York. Yep. So, yeah, I'll take the Eagles. Um, a healthy Hurts, too, played in that one, um, in this one. I think the only way I may go the other way and take the Giants to cover is that in that last game of the season, the Eagles were still playing for the top spot in the NFC and to win their own division. The Giants, they weren't moving anywhere in the playoff seating, so they didn't play majority of their starters, and they still hung around for a little bit. I just think, though, you kind of can throw those things out, but the regular season's done. The regular season doesn't matter now. Of course, it mattered for seeding, but it's all fair game now. Anybody can beat anybody, but I think we also need to take into account that Philly is still a damn good football team. Don't see the Giants making it back-to-back upsets, but I didn't think it was funny. We were at Barstool Sports in Hollywood Casino, or the Sportsbook in Hollywood Casino last night, and talking about how much money you would have won if at the beginning of the year you put money down on the Giants to make the NFC Championship game. They are one win away from that, but they have to do it in round three against the Eagles in Philly. Up next on Sunday, kickoff at 2 p.m. on CBS, a game that everybody will be paying attention to in Kansas City, assuming the Chiefs would win. It would be the Bengals and the Bills in Orchard Park. 
Buffalo, a five and a half point favorite, the over under at 48 and a half. Where are you going with this one, Marco? Uh, give me the Bills covering that five and a half point spread um, against the Bengals. And then as far as the total in this one, you said at 48 and a half. Um, Take I'll take the over I'll take the over in that one as well. If it hits the over, I think Buffalo is winning this game like thirty-one seventeen type mm-hmm. feel. Man. I just the, the offensive line for Joe Burrow is just banged up right now. Um, that's been the biggest storyline going in. Bills, they're healthy as can be. In fact, um, we talked to our NFL insider Adam Kaplan today. He thinks if Bills make it to the Super Bowl, Micah Hyde, who I think is really the only starter. That had that is coming back from a serious injury um, could return in that one. I have finally made my decision on who I want the Chiefs to play. If again, I don't want to jinx anything. If they move on against Jacksonville, I would have my pick. I went back and forth for about a week and a half. I watched these two teams play last weekend. I watched every snap of these two teams. Saw the Bengals struggle against Tyler Huntley and the Ravens. Saw Buffalo struggle against Skylar Thompson and the Miami Dolphins. Here's the thing, though, about both teams, and Marco, I'm glad you brought it up. Buffalo is healthy, and Buffalo, though they haven't been as hot as Cincinnati, they have the knockout punch that Kansas City also possesses. I don't think Cincinnati has a knockout punch. I think Cincinnati really beats you methodically. That's not a knock either. That's a very good thing. You beat teams methodically, you just sort of wear them down. You win close games. They have blown out teams. Let's get that right. They have dominated teams before. But Buffalo and Kansas City have always been those big-time heavyweight prize fighters. They go for the knockout punch early on. But if they miss, or they don't connect, or that opponent gets up off the mat, then they're in trouble in the fourth quarter. But also when you think about it, Look at what's on the line. If the Chiefs win on Saturday, they move on to their fifth consecutive AFC Championship game. There's two things that can happen. Either you get the team at home that has beaten you three consecutive times. They beat you three times in a calendar year, but they're coming to Arrowhead Stadium. Or you take on the Bills, who you've eliminated in the postseason the last two years, but you got to go to a neutral site game. I'm sorry, but I don't want to leave Arrowhead Stadium. I don't want Kansas City leaving Arrowhead Stadium in the postseason even if it meant Buffalo is maybe a lesser team at this moment. Here's the thing, though, as Marco uh, brilliantly brought up. Bengals' offensive line is incredibly just ravaged right now. They're on their, their three of their guys on the line were backups, and they already weren't a great offensive line at that. Now, last year they didn't have a great offensive line either, and they still beat the Chiefs. But let's play the odds here. I was talking with Matt Derrick last night at ChiefsDigest.com. He said that when the Chiefs and Bengals play, it's pretty much a coin flip. How many times is a coin laid on heads four times in a row? It doesn't happen. Uh, Just you play the odds here. Now, we've played the odds the last couple of times. Hell, we played the odds earlier this year. They'd beaten them twice. There's no way they beat them three times. Well, they did. But if you get at them at Arrowhead Stadium, I think the Chiefs are better equipped to beat the Bengals this time around, especially if Cincinnati's offensive line is so banged up. Now, Buffalo, they're healthier They've also struggled taking care of the football. They've made some bad, or I shouldn't say they, Josh Allen has made some really bad mistakes in critical moments, and especially in the red zone. This spread to me is a little bit large. I know it's in Orchard Park. The Bengals were getting the best of Buffalo when these teams were facing off 
a couple of Monday nights ago in the tragic event uh, that led to DeMar Hamlin going into cardiac arrest. That game was not resumed, so this will be the first time these teams have met on the field since that moment uh, less than a month ago. I got to go against you here, though, Marco. I think the Bengals do get it done. I think the Bills will go for that knockout punch early on, but you've been able to tell with them in the first half of games this year, at least of late, man, they really don't start hot. They are not firing out of the gates. Could be different. Could have just jinxed them, and they could have you know 21 points in their first four offensive series. Maybe just that good. Or they could have like seven points with two minutes to go in the first half. That's just the unpredictability of the Buffalo Bills. Cincinnati more consistent. It's a matter, though, of can they protect Joe Burrow. I'm not confident the Bengals win. I want the Bengals to win now when looking at these matchups. But offensive line problems, the injuries to that, Give me some pause. So I will go Cincinnati plus five and a half just because I think it'll be close. I just can't pick a winner yet. I think it'll be closer than five and a half. I don't think the Bills win by a touchdown. I think it'll be decided by a game-winning field goal, whether that be in regulation or overtime. But for that reason, I think I'll take the Bengals plus five and a half. All right, the nightcap, the final game in the division around the Cowboys on the road in San Fran. The Niners a three-and-a-half point favorite of the Brock Purdy. The over-under at 46. Where are you going with this, Marco? I like the 49ers, man. I really do, especially at home, 8-1 and one this season. In San Fran, give me the 49ers, send in the pa- uh, Packers, the Cowboys home packing. Here's what I'll go with, speaking of odds. The Niners just won their first playoff game on the road. Mm-hmm. Or, excuse me, the Cowboys did. Just won their first playoff game on the road since 93. Yeah. What are the chances that happens again? You know, after going years and years playing so poorly on the road— now they're going to go into San Francisco, the hottest team in football, and beat them. Here's what we need to take away from the Cowboys' win on Monday night. They played very well. Dak Prescott had a career game. I thought their defense played very well. Didn't make too many mistakes. With Your name wasn't Brett Maurer, who missed four extra points. And that is another thing you have to factor in. Kicking could be a problem for the Dallas Cowboys. But the Niners are unstoppable right now. Their defense was already the best in the league. Now their offense can hang 40-plus with Brock Purdy. They've got so many weapons to utilize. Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, great offensive line, and great scheme. I see the Niners being able to put up more points than uh, clearly Tampa Bay was able to. I think the Niners get anywhere from 25 to 30 points in this game, and it's about your faith or your trust in Dak Prescott to take care of the football. He was flawless against the Buccaneers. It was also a putrid Tampa Bay team. That was not a playoff team. That was an offense that was 25th in scoring and a defense that couldn't really keep up with the weapons that the Dallas Cowboys had in C.D. Lamb, Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Gallup. I mean, they just had more weapons and they couldn't really contain them. And they had injuries on that side of the ball. They're getting older. They were slower. 49ers are fast, athletic, uh, physical on the defensive side of the football. And offensively, they can immediately punch you in the mouth or they could hang around with you. But you know that knockout punch is coming. Yeah, speaking of the the knockout punch that the Chiefs and the Bills have right now, the Niners have that as well. So give me the Niners to cover the three-and-a-half-point spread. As for the over-under, I'm sticking with the shootouts, man. I think it'll be another over-hit in that Dallas and Niners game. And lastly, the game that everybody here cares about in Kansas City, the Chiefs and the Jags. KC an eight and a half point favorite. The over under at fifty three, the largest total of any of the divisional round games. It'll kick off at three thirty on NBC. Marco, 
I will take the Chiefs to win by double digits. I think the way they played first time around, played sloppy and still comfortably won. Jags have a lot of holes. I mean, you don't have five turnovers in a game. You got lucky and won because it's the Chargers. Uh, maybe that's being too harsh. Not saying lucky. You did take some luck, but they were a very good football team in the second half, eliminated those mistakes, and Trevor Lawrence was able to cook with the receivers and having Travis Etienne. Uh, and I thought that they were just put in a great position by Doug Peterson. But I think that's all going to come to a crashing halt on Saturday. I don't think the Chiefs let them hang around that long. I think I could see this game being anywhere from 38-24, uh, 35-20, something like that. So with that 8.5-point spread, give me the Chiefs to comfortably cover at home. I'll also take the over in this game uh, with it being at 53. Yeah, Gary Lezak says the LRC shows uh, snow around kickoff on Saturday at 3.30. Oh, man, I've been back and forth with the spread on this one. It's such a good one at 8.5 for the Chiefs and Jags. I could see the, I see this one uh, – I'll take the Chiefs uh, covering the 8.5. I can see it being a 27-17 type game. Um, 10, is, 10 is the range I'm thinking of uh, with this one. So give me the Chiefs winning by 10 and punching a ticket to the AFC Championship. It would be their fifth consecutive AFC Championship game. And if Cincinnati wins, it would be their fifth consecutive AFC Championship game that they have hosted at Arrowhead Stadium. But first things first, kickoff for the divisional round game between the Chiefs and the Jags at 3.30 on NBC. Now it is time for some fact or fiction. Five questions, five takes in under five minutes. Marco, fire away. Jack, fact or fiction, the Chiefs' defense holds Trevor Lawrence to under 250 passing yards. I think in the first meeting, Trevor Lawrence had under 300. He had 259 yards passing on 40 attempts. I'm going to go fiction. I do think Trevor Lawrence gets his numbers because if the Chiefs are going to be leading by two scores or 10 points for the majority of the game, he's got to throw the ball a lot. You know, thinking about 45, maybe 50 passing yards or 50 passing attempts, which would give him more than 250 passing yards, I would just think, unless he's taking a lot of checkdowns, which I think he'll be looking down the field a lot against this young secondary. So give me fiction on this. I don't think the Chiefs secondary holds him under 250 yards passing. I think he'll have a couple of turnovers, but I think he'll get close or over 300. Fact or fiction, Patrick Mahomes won't throw an interception on Saturday. I think it will be a clean game for Patrick Mahomes. He's just different in the postseason. This offense is different in the postseason. They'll be throwing the kitchen sink at the Jags to get upwards of 35, 40 points in this one. So fact, don't think Patrick Mahomes has a mistake of throwing the ball on Saturday. Fact or fiction, Daniel Jones outplays Jalen Hurts. I really like Jalen Hurts, and I can't discredit that he was an MVP candidate before he got hurt. I'm going to go fiction on that. I think Daniel Jones does play well enough to keep the Giants in the game for about three quarters, but when it's all said and done, Jalen Hurts will be the top dog. Fact or fiction, the Bengals and Bills will be decided in overtime. How fitting for a storyline would that be? The Bills who change the overtime rules, and keep that in mind the postseason. If you score a touchdown in your first drive, the other team still gets a chance to go down and match that with a touchdown of their own. I feel like we're due for it, man. That just feels like it's in the script for the NFL. Let me go fact here, though. It's a small chance just on the surface. I think the Chiefs or the, the Bengals and the Bills will be decided in overtime. And lastly, fact or fiction, Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy will combine for over five and a half touchdown passes. Going with my shootout total here, I'm going to go fact. I think that Dak Prescott will have a good, not great game. But I think you'll have around three touchdowns or so. I think Brock Purdy gets about three touchdowns in this game as well, which would hit the over on that five-and-a-half mark. Should be a shootout. Should be a fun one in all of those, these divisional games, but more importantly, that nightcap on Sunday between the Niners and the Cowboys. There is Ray Charles, so it's time to go. That wraps up another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I've been your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. 
Talk to you tomorrow at 10 a.m. You take it easy, Kansas City. Don't you